welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. Today is Wednesday, September 30th, 2020. And today we are grateful to be joined by our Eurasia team to talk about international adoption from Eurasia. So we're joined by Jana Lombardo and she's the Senior Program Director of International Programs. And uh, for many years, she has led the Eurasia team uh, and has done a fantastic job, not just growing that program, but starting new programs throughout Eurasia. Uh, and we're so excited to have Jana on to talk a little bit more about the history of our Eurasia programs. We're also joined by Brianna Thomas, who is one of our social workers on the Eurasia team. Uh, she does such a fantastic job serving families and serving these children uh, all throughout Eurasia. And then Jackie Francis as well, uh, who has been on our team in two different uh, stances. And we're so grateful to have her here uh, helping lead out with some of our program management uh, in Eurasia as well. And so we're so excited for you to get to hear about what the Lord's doing in Eurasia and potentially uh, how Eurasia could become a place where you could bring a child home or where you could encourage friends and family to look at it as well. But before we hear from uh, these ladies, I want to remind you about the financial resources ebook that our team has recently released. For those seeking to adopt, we have recently produced this ebook to help you financially prepare for your journey. It's filled with tips, resources, contact information for grant organizations, and so much more. And so if you want to receive this free ebook or to learn more, uh, please go to lifelinechild.org and you'll see in the banner about the financial resources ebook. Also, if you'll go to show notes, there's a link that will take you directly to that ebook. And then if you still can't find it, you can always go to email us at info at lifelinechild.org and ask for the financial resources ebook. Well, as we come, I want to really talk about Eastern Europe and Eurasia and these programs. And, uh, you know, even through a global pandemic, we have been so grateful uh, to see uh, that, that these are some of the programs that were the first to allow families to travel, uh, to bring home their forever children. And, you know, it's in times of crisis that many times uh, we, we see the Lord work. Uh, the most clearly. And we have certainly seen the Lord work in Eurasia as we have had families go to Bulgaria, if we have had families travel to Hungary and even Kyrgyzstan. And so for many of you uh, in this time, you may be pressing pause on adoption plans, maybe thinking there'll be more stability in the future. However, we want to let you know now is the perfect time to begin the adoption process because each day that we wait, it means another child is living in peril and vulnerable children need families now. And so we want to continue to let you know of options of children that are in need that need families so that you can begin to pray both in your own life as well as in your sphere of influence for those who may be at the place where they could offer a forever family to these children. So like I said, we're joined by Jana Lombardo and Jackie Francis and Brianna Thomas. And I'm going to start off with you, Jana. Can you just give us the history of our Eurasia programs? It's been almost 20 years of history and just an overview of the programs and what those do look like for families and those that might be interested. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much, Herbie. Uh, it's been uh, an honor of my time here at Lifeline to be able to 
uh, watch the implementation of Lifeline Beginning International programs and just being on the foundation of starting our uh, first program from Eastern Europe in Ukraine. Um, and that, that began approximately 20 years ago, working with that very first family uh, who traveled to Ukraine to to bring their their son home, and uh, slowly uh, over the years we've added a total of eight countries. And just to kind of fly through them real quick, um, we've worked in Hungary and Bulgaria for 10, 11 years, Romania now for six or seven years, and Poland six or seven years, Kyrgyzstan, Latvia, and Macedonia. And so when we talk about Eurasia. Uh, Eastern Europe, we are encompassing all of these countries. And so we do have uh, a rich history with a strong foundation uh, of adoption from this part of the world. And um, it has been my passion uh, for these last 20 years at Lifeline to focus on these children um, and these countries and just to learn so much about them and spend time in the countries and and learning about the children and how they're they're cared for and kind of encompass trying not to get so specific but encompassing all of these countries children that are are in need of forever families or children who might be older you know that seven eight nine ten year old even teenage age range uh sibling groups you know not sibling groups of two maybe sibling groups of three we've seen sibling groups of four and five um, that 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 need is still forever great in in this part of the world. Um, we do see uh, a lot of trauma uh, in our kiddos from this part of the world, and the history is there just of um, parenting and 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 neglect and uh, truly viewing uh, an orphan child as a second class citizen. Um, and even adding more onto that, you know, children that might have a medical special need or even a developmental special need. And so throughout our history at Lifeline, it has been the joy of my heart and our team's heart to see families bring home children that may have cerebral palsy or may have a developmental delay. Uh, and just recently, and Brianna's going to talk about this a little bit more, but just recently, uh, over the last probably two years, we have seen um, such a large number of families bring home children with Down syndrome of varying ages from the country of Bulgaria. And so we love to, to, to investigate and walk through the doors that the Lord has opened. And they're not easy doors um, with countries, you know, like Kyrgyzstan and, and Poland and things like that. But um, it is a it is just a, an honor and a privilege to be part of this, you know, rich, rich history. Amen. And so kind of just taken from a 30,000 foot view in this history and these programs, Jackie, walk us through kind of a, a general overview of what the process actually looks like. So what can people expect this process to look like? So if they were to start, what, what does that look like? And And even in a global pandemic environment where people may be you know, reluctant to start something because they see travel is so much more difficult. Uh, help us understand even the timeline of what those, that process looks like as well. Yeah. So, um, basically what you get start fresh with an application to lifeline. And after that, we really jump in with our Eurasia team to get you rolling in a home study and education. And we really, um, 
kind of pride ourselves in hand holding you through this process and really trying to equip you um, to feel confident for when you come home with your adopted child. Um, we really do have a lot of education for you. Like Jan Jana said, there's a lot of trauma in our kids, but we want you to be educated on how to deal with that trauma or how to deal with a medical special need that you might never have had in your home before. So all throughout your home study, you're, you're being equipped and we're really ministering to you as well during that process. Um, after that, you um, we submit your, your information for immigration, which this takes about six to eight weeks. Um, and in that time, we're working on compiling your dossier that's sent to the country, whichever country you're, you're a part of our Eurasia program. Um, once that's accepted in country, we're waiting on a referral and that can vary in timelines per country. So again, once you get started with us in a, in a specific country, we really dive in deep into those details with you. Um, and really all of that, speaking of pandemic, though, every step of that process is moving. Um, we've had a lot of applications come in and families have mentioned being a little worried about starting, but they knew that it was the right time because they could still work on each of these steps. And honestly, some people have had more time than before to work on a home study now than they did before the pandemic. Um, so we just really are encouraging families that though we are in a pandemic, though we don't know kind of what's to come, each of these steps are moving. There's not a halt in these in these steps of the process, and it might be slower, um, but we are still moving. And so we're going to help you through it because we're kind of learning day by day, too. Um, so all that to be said, yeah, it's there's no there's no stopping it. You know, we're, we're here to help you through the process, too. Um, but once you're home with your child, we also walk you through post adoption. So we don't just um, walk you to the door of your country and then leave. We're, we're here when you get home. And we really um, wanna, again, handhold you through that process and be with you to walk through any issues that might arise or just how to's, or you know, if you're going from a home of no kids to three kids, you know, that might be a, a change. So just like, we're here to talk, you know, even if it's just to, to vent or to really talk through some issues. So. We're here with you from application to post adoption, one one the beginning to the end. I mean, we're 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 there the whole time. That's true, and that's that's one of the things we want to make sure that through this process that we are there for families continually. We want to be a resource, someone that walks you through. But also, I know our heart of this team, even that's on this podcast as well, is not just to help those families bring their children home, but ultimately to help their families thrive. Uh, you know, so much of this process too is travel, but there are also specific requirements for families, just general requirements for families uh, in Eastern Europe. So, Brianna, can you talk a little bit more about the general requirements for families that might be interested in these programs? And then, especially in what we see right now, what does travel look like? And what can, what can someone expect travel to look like? Yeah, so like Jana said, we work in eight different countries in Eastern Europe or in Eurasia. And so these general requirements are just kind of a broad spectrum that cover all of those programs. Um, we can get down to the more specifics if you are interested in one of those specific programs. Um, but typically, we like to see at least one year of marriage um, between married couples some of our programs, specifically Bulgaria and Kyrgyzstan, do allow single women to adopt. Um, we've seen multiple single women adopt from the country of Bulgaria, um, and we have a single mama in our Kyrgyzstan program right now. 
Um, and then some of the upper and lower age range between adoptive parent and child requirements, that also varies by country. Um, but for example, our Bulgaria program is a great option for older couples who want to adopt. Um, so these do vary country by country. And so we would love to talk through specifically what each country's requirements look like, but that's just kind of a broad overview of those general requirements um, for potential adoptive parents. And then travel. Again, we work in eight different countries, and so travel varies by country. Um, some of our countries are multiple trips, where some of them have lengthier stays in country and are just one trip. Um, for example, our Bulgaria program, it is a two trip process where the first trip you go and you're there for seven days and you visit with your child for five consecutive days of bonding. Um, and then trip two is roughly 10 to 14 days. And there's about four to six months in between those two trips. Um, and then Hungary. Hungary is one of our programs that is just one trip and it's a 45 day stay in country. Um, and it also has a required 30 days of bonding. And so for that first week that you're in country, you're visiting with your child in the orphanage or the foster home where they are living. And then the child physically comes into your care for that required 30, day of 30 days of bonding. Um, and so again, country countries are different in travel. And so we would love to kind of talk through those specifics with you. But I wanted to hit on Bulgaria and Hungary as they are kind of our biggest programs in Eastern Europe. Um, with COVID right now, families are having to quarantine in those programs. And so we are having to tack on a little bit extra time for that. Um, but families are really enjoying their time in country, enjoying their time of rest before, you know, getting their children. And so it's kind of turned into be a positive. Um, but we would definitely love to kind of talk through more of those travel requirements specifically for countries um, that you're interested in. Yeah, and and even though even during this time, as Brianna said, travel can be, you know, a little bit different and it can look a little bit different. We want to say as well that we've also seen the Lord do amazing things during this time, especially in these Eastern European and Eurasian countries where, uh, you know, it just against insurmountable odds. We've seen the Lord open up doors. We've seen approval processes. We've seen families that have been matched uh, really in even record times. Uh, the process for approving the process for everything else is continually going on, even though travel has been a little bit different. Uh, so Brianna, as we talk to families, you know, the whole idea is to find families for these children in need. So help us understand who are these children that need families in these countries? Yeah. So like Jana said earlier, a lot of our kiddos in, in Eastern Europe, they're older. Um, we see larger sibling groups. We see kiddos where the youngest child might be three, four-year-old age range. Um, and so we really try to advocate for those older children, for those sibling groups, um, because they need a family as well. And one praise that we have just during COVID, one of our first families that was able to travel to Bulgaria actually adopted a sibling set of four between the ages of 10 and 15. Um, and they are, we like to say our adoptive families are our heroes and they have adopted older children time and time again. And so we really advocate for those children, um, specifically in Eastern Europe, because that's a lot of what we see on a day-to-day -day basis. 
Um, like Jana said, Down syndrome, that has been one thing that we have really been advocating for and our and has grown within our Bulgaria program over the last year. Um, we are seeing families be matched with kiddos with Down syndrome as young as 14 months. Um, and they are finishing their process anywhere from 12 to 16 months. And this, the Down syndrome process is part of the Bulgaria process. And so it's just a unique route that they have. And so we've, in addition to older children, sibling groups, um, we've really been advocating for children with Down syndrome because we are seeing the streamlined, quick process that families are having with the younger children that they are matched with. Um, I, we were talking as a team the other day, and I really think over half of our Bulgaria families right now in our process are pursuing kids with Down syndrome. And so that's really something that we want families to pray about. And you see if they can, um, they have the capacity to adopt a child with Down syndrome because there is a great need specifically in Bulgaria. Um, and so again, you know, we work in eight different countries. And so all of those all the kiddos in each country are different, but that's just kind of a broad overview of what we see generally within our Eurasia program. Yeah. And certainly if you are a listener to the Defender podcast about a month ago, we featured one of our families who just recently during COVID uh, traveled to Bulgaria and was able to bring back their son home, their son with special needs uh, with Down syndrome. And uh, we're just so grateful to see so many families equipped for this journey. Um, you know, through all of this, we have to remember that our God is the father to the fatherless, and he's the protector of the orphan and the widow. He's the adopter of our souls. Um, and so no matter the circumstances, they do not rest outside of his sovereignty. And so no task that he calls us to is too large, right? He will equip those who he call, and he will give them those resources. And so we would just ask, as you hear about these children that are in need, that you and your family would pray deeply and ask the Lord, will you call us to these children? And if so, we're confident that he uh, will equip you. Uh, so, so Jana, when you, when you just think of all of our Eurasia programs, what, what do you think is the biggest need, or what would you say is the biggest need uh, overall that we need support, that we need families for in our Eurasia programs? Yes, and so I would like to just comment on a couple of, of things that I think are just that just that are always on my heart when I think about our kiddos and our families. Um, we want you to know that that while we are hand holding you here, we have awesome teams on the ground that are going to do the same for you while you're in country. A lot of people don't necessarily think about adoption from Eastern Europe or this or these Eastern Europe countries. Um, maybe because they're not as well known as some of the, the larger countries, but they are um, well planned out programs with teams on the ground and opportunities to share the gospel with with foster parents that you might come in contact with government officials. And we we hold on to to what our what our goal is and to sharing the gospel with those folks our team members on the ground even those even our kiddos as they they come home and you know if you were to ask me you know and herbie you know what is the biggest need in in eastern europe um eurasia i think the biggest need is for families to to begin to pray you know what is my capacity 
we do, we have older children that we have on a website right now that need forever moms and dads. You know, we have brothers and sisters and sibling groups that want a forever mom and dad. They want to know Jesus. They don't know they want to know Jesus, but they want to know Jesus and they want to uh, have someone that's going to lead them and guide them and be there for them uh, as they grow up. Um, we will equip you. We will help you. Like as Jackie said, you know, we are going to prepare you. It's not easy. Um, adoption is not easy. Older child adoption is not easy. Um, but but these kids are worth it. You know, as as we know. Um, as we know that these kids, you know, are created in the image of God. Psalm 139 just constantly rings true in my mind when I'm seeing waiting children and I'm seeing children with special needs. Um, and we have such great families already that are pursuing siblings and extreme special needs children and children with Down syndrome that that God made them and they are worth it. Um, and so I want you to be ready to learn about trauma, developmental delay, you know, what that looks like. Um, we uh, This is one thing that I, I always talk about with families who are considering adoption from Eastern Europe. And this holds true for um, Ukraine, Hungary, Bulgaria, um, is the Roma people group. This is a people group in this part of the world that is um, highly discriminated against. Uh, they are considered less than they are considered second-class citizens. They are uh, not allowed in public places sometimes. And, and that's a reality that is still true today. And so our Roma, our Roma children, um, we love them. We think they're wonderful in the Roma, the Roma families that they come from. Um, I do think that these children, though, don't feel valued and don't feel worth. And so ask us about what it's what Roma the Roma people group is and what that means and um, and what that looks like as far as adoption and so that's something that um, I really want families to hear and families to know and, and don't be afraid to investigate another option for adoption that might not be the the most well known or the most popular I can't tell you how many families that we have had that said, we didn't know hungry was an option. We love this. This is awesome. And, um, you know, that just excites us even more. And I think one of the things that, that really stands out, uh, and I know for Lifeline and all of our team at Lifeline, but for us, we truly do love building a relationship with our families. Um, Brianna texts almost daily with a family that adopted several months ago. And we even asked her for some advice on some things just yesterday on a couple of things we're wanting to put in some education curriculum. And we're using our families to help us learn and to help other families learn. Um, and we love that. Like we love just that relationship that we can get to continue to have. And so just needs are great in Eastern Europe. Um, I see pictures in my mind of orphanages, orphanages that I have visited. Um, one of our little guys, Herbie, and I got to visit a little over a year ago in Hungary, had his first day of school this week, and it was awesome. Uh, and they've had some struggles, but it was awesome. He had his first day of school this week. And so um, we can we can serve you. We can educate you. We can help you make decisions. And if you say, what country do you think? We're going to tell you. We're going to tell you what might be the best fit for your family. Uh, so just begin to pray what the Lord would have you do 
um, as you hopefully will investigate, you know, this part of the world, you know, for adoption. Yeah. Well, Brianna, one of the things that I want to just talk to you about is kind of what, what, what are some of those timelines that families can expect? Uh, you know, we, we talk about even financial considerations, uh, what kind of financial considerations are there out there as well, especially for families that are seeking to adopt uh, special needs children? Yeah, so timeline first. Again, it varies country by country. Um, for the hungry process, we're kind of preparing families right now for that 18 to 24 month time frame. Um, and Hungary is a great option for families who are open to younger children with more minor to correctable special needs. I tell a lot of my families when I do inquiry calls, really some of the special needs that we see in Hungary are not really things that you or I would think of as a medical special need. Um, so it's really a great program for those younger kiddos with more minor to correctable special needs. Um, Bulgaria, it can be anywhere from 12 months to five years, depending on what type of special needs the family is open to. Um, if a family were to match with one of the kiddos from the waiting child route, like Janice said, that could be a quicker process than going the traditional route where a family might be matched through the Ministry of Justice in Bulgaria for a younger, healthier child. Um, some of our other programs, we just kind of like to give a general 18 to 24 month time frame. Um, they are our smaller programs, and so we don't have as many families in them, but we kind of like to say that 18 to 24 month time frame um, for those other programs as well. Um, and then grants, financial opportunities, we always encourage our families to apply for grants. I tell my families during the home study process, apply for all the grants. Um, all they can do is say no, but it doesn't hurt to apply for as many as you can apply for. Um, there are special grants for families adopting kids with um, special needs, specifically Down syndrome. Um, and we would love to kind of talk through that process with you if you are interested in pursuing a child with Down syndrome. Um, but I always encourage families to apply for grants, fundraise. I've seen many, many of my families get fully funded because they've put in the time and effort to do those grant applications that might be long and tedious. Um, and so we help families with that. I've written many, many grant letters for families. And so that's one thing that I always encourage families, just research them, apply for them, um, because every little bit, you know, every little bit helps. Adoption is costly, um, but it's so rewarding in the end. And so definitely encourage families to look into those different financial opportunities, um, you know, even beginning when they apply, begin doing that research from the beginning. Kind of as we close, Jackie, I know that there may be folks listening to this podcast who aren't in a position where they can adopt. Maybe uh, it's just uh, it's 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 just not where their family is right now. And the Lord maybe even specifically has shut that door for them. We know that one of the biggest things that we need is we need prayer partners for these children around the world and specifically for these children that we serve in Eastern Europe. And so can you talk through and help us think through some specific ways that we can be praying for the children in Eurasia, uh, that we can be praying for them and that these families can join us in praying uh, for the children of, East, of Eurasia? 
Yeah, so I think just kind of piggybacking on everything Jana and Brianna said, um, you know, with our Eurasia programs, we have a lot of those older kids and sibling groups. So really just praying for the the families to to come forward for them, but also just kind of for their hearts in the countries that they're at. Um, Some of them are older and do want to be adopted um, so just kind of settling their, their nerves and their, their spirits as they, as they wait that out. Um, but then also the Roma population that Jana mentioned, there is such discrimination for those, just that people group, but specifically the children. Um, so just praying for them specifically that they find self-worth and self-value, um, even amidst a country that, that is discriminating them and, and they may not understand why. Um, so just a lot of prayers for our kids. I mean, I think that we, there's a lot of them out there, but, um, something that brings us all as a team, some hope and joy is just knowing that we see these faces on our waiting kids list, but we can be praying for them here while they're waiting. And while we're, we're doing our part by advocating for them. Um, and we just ask, yeah, for those families that aren't in that spot of adopting yet, just join with us in praying for those kids as they wait. I'd like to add one thing onto that. As Jackie was talking, it, it brought to my mind um, a unique part of the Bulgaria process is that they have what they call a BABA program. Mm. And this is a program where grandmothers um, come in and care for the children in the orphanage. They may come one day a week. They may come two days a week where they're spending some extra time with these children. Y'all, let's pray for these ladies mm. that volunteer their time in this country to care for children that nobody else wants to care for. So I love, I love that it gets that specific in the country of Bulgaria, um, where they have a program where uh, a Baba can come in and care for, you know, children that are not theirs um, and spend some time with them. So I, I love that part of, of being able to pray specifically for, for that program. So Jana, in closing, if someone has maybe questions that, that we haven't quite answered today or wants to, to know how they can move forward in this process. How can they get in touch with this team and get more questions answered and start to, to begin to go down this process? Yes, absolutely. So any of us will be more than happy to, to talk with you guys, but I'm going to throw out Brianna's email address uh, and she can help us with what we will, we call our inquiries and just being able to answer questions. We love to set our inquiry calls through Zoom uh, to get to know you, to see your face. And we've loved even using that more through COVID. And it has really changed a lot of kind of how we do some things. So let me throw out Brianna's email address. It's Brianna. Uh, dot Thomas, B-R-I-A-N-N-A dot Thomas at lifelinechild.org. Um, and so that is our, our first line of inquiry calls and being able to set some Zoom times to answer questions. And you can talk to any of us um, about our programs and we're going to help lead and guide you and, and help you make a good decision and answer your questions. Amen. You know, a global pandemic shouldn't da- slow down our response to the orphan crisis, but it should heighten it because our great God is sovereign over pandemics, travel restrictions, economic slowdown, and even quarantines. And he will use all of this for his good in order to accomplish his purposes in helping the vulnerable child and the downtrodden who have become the most vulnerable to this pandemic. And so we hope that you will join us today in helping these children in Eurasia. Thanks for joining us here on the Defender podcast, and we hope that you will plug in more with the children of Eastern Europe.
Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.